You're listening to the Coastal Church Audio Podcast with Pastor Dave Coop. All right, so if you got your notes, uh, grab those. We're going to be uh, going through Ephesians this morning, and uh, or this afternoon. We're in Ephesians chapter 1. Last week, if you were here, we only covered four verses. All month long, we're going to be in one chapter of the Bible, Ephesians 1. And really, we could spend a year on it because it is just loaded full of nuggets. It's kind of like the mother load of nuggets. It's all there in Ephesians chapter 1. And so we're going to take some time to unpack it this morning. If you missed last week's message where we talked about I am chosen, I encourage you to get on the website, go back, and you can find it on the website. Today we're going to talk about I am adopted. So that's the message for this morning. And we are in Ephesians chapter 1. So grab your notes and uh, let's read the text for this morning. You'll notice the word adoption just jumping out here as we read the text. Having predestined us to adoption as sons by Jesus Christ to himself, according to the good pleasure of his will. I have to make the statement that God was, he liked to adopt us. It wasn't like, oh, I guess I have to do something about this. I've got to clean up this mess. Okay, come on, come in my family. I'll, no, no, he was like, he was delighted to adopt us. Uh, somebody else might not want us in their family. Uh, maybe your in-laws don't want you in their family, but God wants you in his family. He's really pleased to adopt you. To the praise of the glory of his grace. That just simply means it was, this is, it was his extravagant grace that allowed us to come into his family. We'll talk more about that in a bit. By which he has made us accepted in the beloved. You are accepted. Would you look at your neighbor and just say, you are accepted. That's pretty good news, because you know what? As human beings, one of our greatest needs is I want to be accepted. I want to be wanted. Does somebody want me? Does somebody accept me? So he says, you're accepted in the beloved. In him, we have redemption through his blood. Adoption isn't the free process. If you want to adopt somebody today, you got to pay some bills. you got to make an investment into it. It's not cheap to adopt somebody. It costs something. And our adoption was not cheap. It was very, very expensive. Well, how many dollars did it cost? It didn't cost dollars. It cost the life of God's son. It cost his blood. It's so huge to redeem us, to buy us out of slavery, adopt us into his family. Super expensive. The forgiveness of sins. He dealt with all our past. He paid the debt for that. We'll talk more about that in a bit. According to the riches of his grace, which he made to abound toward us in all wisdom and prudence, having made known to us the mystery of his will. For a lot of people, this was a mystery. Paul writing to the church in Ephesus, he said, you know what? This was a mystery, but I'm going to expose the mystery. God wants you in his family. This is people haven't got it. I think if people knew that God really wanted them in his family, and uh, they, they caught the concept of it. They said, yeah, all right, I'm in. But it's, it's been a mystery. And so Paul's explaining this mystery according to his good pleasure, which he purposed in himself, that in the dispensation of the fullness of times, he might gather together in one all things in Christ, both which are in heaven and which are on earth in him. Adoption, by definition, is the legal action by which a person takes into their family a child not their own with the purpose of giving him or her all the privileges and responsibilities of their own child. Paul's writing here to the church in Ephesus. That's in present-day Turkey. And uh, it's kind of between the European continent and the Middle East. And here's this city of Ephesus. Ephesus is a lot like Vancouver. It's a port town, a lot of different cultures, nationalities. 
it's, uh, has uh, a great mixture of people, and Paul writes to them. He's in jail. He's writing from prison. He's in Rome, and he has a courier, and he sends the letter out to them. Uh, some of the people in the, in the church that he writes to, they are Jews. Some are non-Jews. We call Gentiles. There's Romans, there's Greeks, there's all kinds of different nationalities, kind of like here today, lots of different nationalities. But their church is a little bit different because in their church, some of the people were slaves. Likely nobody here today is a slave where somebody owns you. And, uh, but back then, some of the people in the church would have been slaves. So that's a little bit different. Paul is the only author in the New Testament that uses the Greek word adoption. And he uses it in a number of different books. Book of Romans, some of the other, chap- other books he writes, he uses the word adoption. The others don't use that. The word adoption doesn't appear in the Old Testament. It's a New Testament concept, really. Uh, adoption happens in the Old Testament. Moses was adopted. Esther was adopted. And actually, Jesus was adopted because he was adopted by Joseph into the family. So there's adoption in the Old Testament, but it's really a New Testament term. Now, he's writing to these people in Ephesus, and he's, he parallels their adoption into God's family with Roman adoption. And in that day and age, he's, the Ephesus is under Roman rule, and so they would have understood when he talked about adoption, it would have been easy for them to catch because they thought, yeah, I, I understand this process because I know somebody who was adopted or maybe they were adopted into a family, and in their culture, to be adopted into a Roman family was a big deal, a big deal. And you, you wanted to be adopted for the privilege and even the responsibility that went with it. If you were a slave especially, to be adopted into a family was like hit the jackpot. It was like winning the lottery to be adopted into a family. And so when Paul wrote to them about being adopted, they were all ears. They, they got the picture. Remember, Jesus would often use, he'd talk about, a, you know, whether it be sowing and reaping, or he'd talk about different things as a parable. This was kind of a parable that Paul uses to explain what it's like to come into God's family when he uses adoption. So we're going to talk through a number of parallels between the Roman adoption and how God adopted us into our family, into the family of God. And number one, we're going to go through these uh, nine points fairly quickly, the similarities, the parallels between them. Number one, the person being adopted would lose all his rights in the old family and would gain the rights of a legitimate child in the new family. Now for us coming out of darkness, this is a good thing. I'm glad I lost the rights of that old family because you can't talk about adoption and not talk about something that isn't quite right. Usually when there's adoption, there has been dysfunction. You adopt, often a child is up for adoption because maybe the parents didn't want the child. Maybe there was poverty. Maybe there was abuse or maybe there was, somebody was disabled or typically it just speaks that something wasn't working quite right. And so we have adoption. Well, when I was in the kingdom of darkness in that old family, something wasn't working quite right. And I'm so glad that when God adopted me, that old family had no right over my life anymore. When you give up a child for adoption, you give up your right to parent them. You give up the right to have, they get a new name. They have now moved to another family. And God, when he adopts us, something happens legally that that old family has no hold over us anymore. Another, trans, another place Paul writes to the church in Colossians that God has taken us out of the kingdom of darkness and he put us into the kingdom of light. He moved us from one family, so to speak, to another family, and that old family has no longer any control over our lives. If I move from another country 
and I came to this country, came to Canada, I mean, if I'm in Canada, I'm under this flag. This flag represents the freedom of our land, uh, the rules, the obligations, the privileges. I'm under the Canadian flag, literally, this afternoon. I'm under the Canadian flag. But if I was in another country, I would be under their flag. They could send me to war. They could tax me. But if I left that country and took on a new citizenship, and they say, hey, Mr. Coop, you got to pay your taxes. I go, no, I don't. I'm a Canadian citizen. Mr. Coop, we want to enlist you in a war. No, you can't. I'm a Canadian citizen. You have no hold over my life anymore. And when God translated out of the kingdom of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of light, that old kingdom has no hold over our life anymore. That old family has no hold over us anymore. In Psalm 68, verse 5 and 6, a great verse says this, Father to the fatherless, defender of widows, this is God. You could frame that. Whose dwelling is holy. God places the lonely in families. He sets the prisoners free and gives them joy. But for rebels, there's only famine and distress. Yeah, he's a way of taking people, hurting, and bringing them into his family. Second parallel, according to Roman adoption and what Paul talks about, is any property or debts would be passed on to the new family. So if I got adopted into a family and I had debt, that new family was responsible for my debt. So let's say I wanted to adopt Dan. I've been picking on Dan all day today, so one more time, Dan. <laughs> You're getting used to it now. But let's say I was going to adopt Dan into my family. I said, Dan, we're going to adopt you. And Dan says, oh, wait a minute. Are you sure you want to adopt me? Like, my credit cards are maxed. I got a Visa, I got American Express, I got MasterCard, I got all these, and every one of them are maxed. My line of credit is maxed. I got a mortgage in it. I've mortgaged and I've remortgaged and remortgaged my house. Like, I am up to here in debt. Are you sure you want to adopt me? So, yeah, Dan, we want to adopt you. And so when I adopt Dan, guess what? I pay off all his credit card, line of credit, his mortgage, Dan's debt-free. Now, that's not a problem if you've got lots of money. God has lots of forgiveness. We had incredible debt. We had a debt we could not pay. I mean, it's one thing to have a mortgage. And, and by the way, that's not Dan. I'm just using him as an example. But it's one thing to have all this kind of debt in our life. But the debt of sin is so much greater because it's actually impossible to pay off. But God says... When you come into my family, I'll pay your debt. The guilt, the shame, I'll cover it, I'll pay for it. And there's no ceiling. God doesn't say, oh, you, wait a minute, it's 11, 11, 11. We just have hit that date, and we have, we have no more room. Like, there is no forgiveness left. We, we can't pay your debt. We're done. No, that's not the case. There is forgiveness for all of us. We have a God of infinity, more than enough. In Colossians 2.14, it says, He canceled the record that contained the charges against us. He canceled the debt against us. He took it and destroyed it by nailing it to Christ's cross. Wow, that's fantastic. So in that Roman culture, if you adopted somebody, you had to pay off all their debts. When God adopts us, he says, I'll pay off all your debts. It's a good deal. Good deal for us. Number three, the individuals being adopted were typically slaves who could never earn this privilege. 
So on the outside of the Roman family, it was like, you just had to sit there and say, oh, boy, I wish I could be. I was born into slavery. Well, maybe if I stole enough or got enough money, I could buy my way into the family. You, you couldn't buy your way in. Your, your way in was when somebody graciously said from their heart, it's a heart thing, you know what, we want you in our family. There was this little girl, and she was in the classroom, and the teacher was holding up a picture of a family, and in the picture of the family, there was one that had different colored hair. And the little girl said, the other kids around her said, I think that one with a different colored hair, I think they might be adopted. And the little boy says, what does adopted mean? She says, well, I know something about adoption because I was adopted. He said, well, what does it mean to be adopted? He said, that means that you were carried in your mummy's heart, not in your mummy's tummy. So somebody had taught that little girl an important truth about adoption. You were carried in the heart of God. And when God adopts us, as we see in this point number three, it's not based on what we've done. That's why Paul says in Ephesians 2, 8 and 9, God saved you or he adopted you by his special favor. You know, you're, you're his favorite. Yeah, we're all his favorites. But do you, do you ever feel like that? I, I just feel like I'm God's favorite. Because God, it was so nice of what you did. I feel so loved by you. He says, by his special favor, he adopted us or saved us when you believed. And you can't take credit for this. It's a gift from God. Salvation is not a reward for the good things we've done, so, no one, so none of us can boast. Fourthly, comparing it to Roman adoption, the new father was now responsible for the training and the actions of the adopted child. You know, when you adopt a child into your home, let's say they're four, five years old, you adopt them into your home. I mean, in those first years of their life when they're in that other family, we refer to the kingdom of darkness, you, you would have suffered some stuff. And you get adopted into the family and things flare up. The Bible calls it the dross that comes to the surface. God refines us. You find your Christian life, you think you're doing pretty good, all of a sudden there's some junk that comes up. I don't know about you, but I do. And also like, ooh, where'd that come from? Or that, that dross, God's removing the stuff out of our life, the impurities. And when you, have, when you adopt a child, that child may have been born to a mother that was a drug addict. That child may have had abuse. That child may have been neglected. There may be, that child may have been, had all kinds of trauma in its life. And as you adopt that child, all of a sudden you go, that's pretty strange behavior. There's some friends in New York that adopted some children from the Ukraine and and after about a year, they start to realize, oh, there's a, there's a real challenge with this one of the children. And because it, it was just some of the things that happened earlier before they adopted him, there was some trauma in that child's life. The parents at that point don't say, ooh, I think we missed it. You are not the perfect child. We're sending you back to the Ukraine, and let's try another one. God, when you, when you adopt the child, now you are responsible for that child. And when we come into God's kingdom, he doesn't go, oh, you, you kind of messed up like five times in a row on that. I think we're just going to, we'll get a new one. It's not like getting a new car or a new phone or something because it doesn't work quite right. When you adopted somebody, you were, you were committed to it. And when God adopts us into the family, he, he's committed to us. Even though we make mistakes, he's, he's still loving us. And you know what? I'm a good parent. I'm a good father. 
I know how to raise you and train you to be a champion. That's why he corrects us. Hebrews chapter 12, it says that he disciplines us. That's because we're his children. If he didn't discipline us, it'd be proof that we weren't his children. At one point, Jesus rebuked his disciples. They were on the way to this in Samaria, and they had asked to get a hotel there. And, and you can find the story in Luke chapter 9. And they wanted to get a hotel, and nobody in the town wanted to let Jesus stay in the hotel. And so the disciples got ticked off, and they asked Jesus, Jesus, do you want us to command fire to come down from heaven? Let's burn those suckers up. And Jesus looks at them and says, well, that's a bit of a paraphrase, you have to understand. <laughs> but Jesus looks at them and he says, and it says he rebuked his disciples. He corrected them. He says, you guys, you don't know what spirit you're of. I didn't come to burn people up. I came to save people. I came to help people. That's not who we are in our family. And you know, there's times in God's, when we're in the family of God, he'll correct us. He says, no, that's not the way we do it. That's not the way our family operates. And uh, if you haven't been corrected yet by God, at some point you will be corrected, and he, he does correct us. And it goes on in this chapter 12 of Hebrews here to say that all correction or discipline for the moment is not joyful, but it's actually painful. It's sorrowful. When you get corrected, it's like, it kind of hurts. When I was uh, playing basketball, the first year that I, I played uh, college ball, it was actually, well, maybe a little further on, down the road, but I ch- went to a new school. And the coach there, uh, after the practice, he called me over and he says, Coop, I want to have a word with you. Okay, I went over there and he says, you know what? The way you boxing out underneath the boards, you've got it all wrong. Okay, now here's what I want you to do. And all the other guys are looking, oh, Coop's really getting the work over there by the coach. And coach is chewing him out. And he says, now look it, when we feed you the ball, Here's the move I want you to do as well. Here's, here's what you need to do. Now, here's how you're going to fake. You're coming around. You're going to make this shot. And for about a half an hour, he grilled me on this. He said, no, do it again. No, it's not like that. It's like this. Here's how you pivot. And he grabbed the ball, and he took it, and he said, okay, try it again. No, it's like this. I'm going, oh, I'm nervous. Guys are watching. And I went away there feeling. I was like, oh, man. Man, I felt kind of ejected. I felt like, oh, he's... He's kind of singling me out, and my roommate who was on the team, he says, what's your problem? I said, well, coach was kind of, he's, coach was liking you. That's what he was doing. The coach took time for, if he didn't want you on the team, if he didn't love you, he wouldn't be correcting you. He just wants to make a better player out of you, so suck it up. I went, oh, okay. <laughs> it was a really good message for me. He wasn't, he was doing it because he saw something in me. At the time, it was kind of painful, but it led to, like this verse says, the peaceful fruit of righteousness. There was a fruit in that correction. I never forgot the lessons that he taught me about how to be underneath the back basket in that little lesson. It stuck with me, and I'm forever grateful to Coach Brown. I went away and realized Coach Brown believes in me. I'm valuable to the coach. He, I'm special. My, my roommate pointed out, the reason he kept you there is because you're special, not discarded. God sometimes corrects us. Ever go to the gym and you get there and your body's like, what in the world are you doing? Please stop those push-ups. Please, no more wind sprints. Please, no more pull-ups. Please, no more. It's screaming at you. This is painful. Stop. And you're disciplining your body. I don't care what you feel, body. We're going to do push-ups. 
All discipline for the moment seems not, all discipline, whether it be physical discipline, mental discipline, spiritual discipline, it all seems painful for the moment, but it produces the peaceful fruit of righteousness. And so God, as a father, at times will correct us. He'll also forgive us. When we come to know the Lord, there are times we make a mistake. He doesn't say, oh, you know what? You are not perfect in my family. And so we can't have you anymore. No, he says, if we confess our sin, he's faithful and just to forgive us and cleanse us. He's that kind of a father when we get adopted. All right, number five. We've got to get through these this morning or this afternoon or this evening or tonight. <laughs> Some of you are thinking, well, how long does this service go? I came to church this afternoon. I didn't know it went till six. Uh-huh. <laughs> it doesn't. It's okay. Number five, a father could disown his natural child, but not an adopted child. Isn't that amazing? In the Roman culture, you could disown your own son, but if you adopted a son, you could never break that bond. And so the people hearing this letter, they knew that. And so Paul said, you have been adopted into God's family. They had this aha moment. Wow. I'll always be a son of God. I'll always be a child of God. That is a, a bond that can't be broken. That's why we read in John or Jude one twenty four. and now all glory to God who is able to keep you from stumbling. Father who watches over you, bring you into his glorious presence, innocent of sin, with great joy. Into his presence, innocent of sin, with great joy. You know, sometimes our picture of God, our picture, I mean, our picture of ourself is different than God's picture of us. We have this picture of ourselves, like, I can't believe I did that. So-and-so said this about me. And you have one person who says something negative about you, and it kind of plays over and over again in your mind. Ten people said something great about you, but you just remember the one bad thing somebody said about you, and that kind of just keeps going over and over in your head, and you kind of paint your identity on that. Twenty years ago, my coach said this, or this person said that, or... You know, so-and-so didn't say hi to me, and they should have. They didn't text me back. They didn't put me on their Facebook. They didn't link me in, and so here I am. And that's your picture of yourself. And God says, no, no, I have a different picture of you completely. And you say, oh, really? Yeah, you don't look like that at all. Uh, You didn't get into their Facebook or their LinkedIn, but I linked you in. I put you on my Facebook page. I want to tweet with you. (laughs) <laughs> I want to text you, you know, and I, I've got a little more influence than that person who didn't like you, so this is my picture of you. He said, well, well how would I, what does that picture look like? That's why James says the Word of God is a mirror. When you look into it, you get a reflection of how God sees you, and when we see ourselves the way God sees us, there's a whole new confidence. There's a strength that comes from seeing ourselves the way God sees us in that family. Number six, a child has access to his father, his, the family resources, the family inheritance, and his parents' affection. The child enjoys privilege and responsibility. So we have access to all the riches of the family. That's why Paul said in Romans 8.15, so you should not be like cowering, fearful slaves. You should behave instead like God's very own children. Adopted into his family, calling him Father, dear Father. Wow. Remember we sang that song, Oh, Happy Day, earlier on in the praise and worship? It's a happy day when you get adopted. 
Think of this family, you know, they, they, they fly to the Ukraine. This couple flies to Ukraine. They're going to adopt the child in this Ukraine orphanage. All the paperwork has been done, and they've paid the money, and they get there, and they arrive at the orphanage, and in the orphanage, there's all these kids, and they know that there's this couple coming from Canada. And the couple comes in, and they, and they get to see everybody. And the couple looks around. They make eye contact with all the kids. And they look around. They look at everybody in the corners, and they look around and greet the children. And then the children are dismissed, and, and then later on, the, the manager or the person who runs the orphanage says to one of the children, we need to talk with you. So they come in, and they sit down, and they say, you know that Canadian, lovely Canadian couple that came? They've decided to adopt you. <sighs> Me? Yes. To what country? Canada. Canada. That's one of the greatest countries of the world. I, I got a... Oh, happy day. Oh, happy day. Why? Wow. I, I'm no longer here. I, I, have a fa I, I have a daddy. I have a mommy. I have a bed. Somebody will make me meals. Somebody will care for me. I can call daddy. I can say mommy. Yes, you've been adopted. Oh, happy day. And when we've been adopted to God's family, it's, oh, happy day. For some people, they don't even know that there's a family option. Been in darkness for so long, don't even know that that's an option. This past week, uh, Angelina Jolie, a well-known actress, went back to Vietnam because she had adopted a child from Vietnam. And when that child was four years old, Angelina Jolie showed up there and in this this little child, broken orphanage family situation, and he gets adopted. His name is Pax, and he gets adopted into Angelis Jolie's family. And I think the day he was adopted, maybe in Vietnamese, he's singing, Oh, happy day. I just got adopted. But when he got adopted into that family, he probably didn't realize what he got adopted into. It's a nice lady. I call her mommy. I go back to America. Oh, I live in the United States. This is a good country to live in. And as he grows up, he goes, oh, wow, my mom has some influence. She's pretty well known. I call her mommy, but everybody else pays money to see her in the theater. And my family actually has quite a bit of wealth. And the more I get to know them, the more I realize, whew, I got adopted into a pretty good family. And when we come to God's family, we come and go, God, thank you for taking me out of darkness. But as we grow in our Christian life, we never stop realizing the riches of his goodness to us. Wow, God, you brought me into this. You have a little more influence than I thought you did. It's not just a movie. It's like you own the universe. Okay, this is a whole nother level that I got adopted into. Number seven, the person being adopted was asked in public with witnesses present if they would accept the adoption. So it's a public ceremony. So if I was the one who was, being, uh, who was going to be adopting somebody, they would say in public, and maybe you're there, okay, you're all present at a Roman adoption, all right? So you've got you to gotta listen carefully. This is a Roman adoption right now, and I'm going to be adopting somebody. So they ask me to step forward. They say, Mr. Coop, yes. We'd like to know, would you be willing 
to adopt Joe over here into your family. Joe has his history. He has some debt. Joe has been a slave. Joe has been, uh, there's some permanent damage as a result of being a slave. And uh, but you've asked for him to be adopted into your family. Will you accept Joe into your family, Mr. Coop? And I said, yes, I will adopt Joe into my family. So then they say to Joe, Joe, Mr. Cooper would like to adopt you into his family. He has this home, this family, and so forth. Would you accept his offer to come into his home, giving up your rights and privileges to your previous family? You're a slave. Uh, you probably don't have a lot of rights. You don't have a lot of family. Anyhow, but they have to ask the question, will you give up those rights? And the slave says, yes, I will give up that, and I will accept to be adopted into Mr. Coop's family. And they say, now, these are the witnesses that are here. Witnesses, you've heard this testimony. You've heard their statements. So we are concluding that based upon what they said and upon these witnesses, that this is now a completed thing. You are now adopted. And he's adopted. When we come into the family of God, we also have to accept the offer from the Father. If we didn't accept it, if he forced us into his family, it would be kidnapping. But God doesn't kidnap his children. He doesn't take them by force and say, you're going to be my son. You're going to be my daughter. Nice family. We don't want to go to that. But he says, this is my family. I would like to adopt you. Will you accept my adoption offer? And we have to verbally say, yes, I accept that. There's something about saying it verbally. When you become a Canadian citizen and you say, I want to be under this flag, you have to go before a judge, and that judge will ask you to say these words in Canada. I swear that I will faithfully and I will be faithful and bear true allegiance to Her Majesty Queen Elizabeth II, Queen of Canada, her heirs and successors, and that I will faithfully observe the laws of Canada and fulfill my duties as a Canadian citizen. You're required to say that. When you've completed saying that, you're a Canadian citizen. It had to come out of your mouth. You've now been welcomed into the Canadian family. If you're there and the judge says, okay, you have to say this, you go, no, don't think so. I don't think I have to say that to go to the Canadian family, just... I'm here, I studied it, I know all about it, so just, no, I don't have to say that. He would say, there's a plane leaving back for your country this afternoon, we'll see you later. If you want to be a Canadian citizen, you have to say it. Or if you're going to marry somebody, you're up there in front of the preacher, and they say, okay, repeat these vows after me. No, I don't think I want to say it. The preacher go, what? No, 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 If he doesn't want to say it, don't marry him anyhow, don't even take him. He can't say it. If he can't verbalize it, you don't want him anyhow. If you can't verbalize it, you're going to be faithful to this country. We don't want you. Go back home. And God's saying, if you can't say out of your mouth that you accept me as Lord and Savior, then it's not really in your heart. That's why we read in Romans chapter 10, verse 9 and 10, for if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart, God raised him from the dead, you'll be saved. For it is by living in your heart that you're made right with God. And it is by confessing with your mouth that you are saved. We're adopted when we say, yes, I want to be in 
this spiritual family and I accept the offer to be a child of God. Oh, that's good stuff. The Holy Spirit is the witness. Romans 8.16 says the Spirit bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. The Holy Spirit bears witness with our spirit. Who was at that public ceremony? The Holy Spirit. He bears witness with our spirit. We're children of God. When? When we don't feel like we belong. When we don't feel like we're a Christian. When we don't feel like we're saved. When we don't feel like... If you haven't had one of those days, you might. One of those days like, man, I blew it so many times this week. God, where are you? I went to church. I went to life group. I read my Bible and I prayed. Hello, God. I feel like there's a brass ceiling. Where are you, God? Am I really a child of God? And the Holy Spirit comes along and says, let me bear witness to your spirit. I was there when you were adopted. You are a child of God. This is not based on your feelings. This is based on faith. You are a child of God. Look again what it says here. Go back to Romans chapter 10, 9, and 10. The Holy Spirit will prompt you. Say, no, speak to that lying spirit. I have received Jesus. I did declare it. I am part of it. No matter what I feel, I have the name from the Father in my life, his name. Number eight, I've got to wrap this up. Uh, The adoption in that Roman culture was not only to benefit the adopted one, but the father and the entire family. So the father benefited by adopting the children because now he had somebody to carry on the lineage. So it was a benefit to the father. And guess what happens? We end up acting like our father. We behave like our dad does. We take on his behavior. Ever heard the expression, you're just a chip off the old block. Or watch a son walk beside his dad sometime, and you'll go, how did that happen? He walks just like his dad. You don't mean to do it, but you just kind of end up walking like your dad does because we've been with our father. We, and when you're with your heavenly father, you begin to take on his nature, a nature of holiness, a nature of wanting to live right. Talk to somebody on the Alpha Holy Spirit weekend. They said, you know what? I recently became a Christian, came into God's family, and I just found that I don't want to do this anymore. I found myself wanting to do this, and it's like not that anybody told me. I just find like... I'm acting different. Where does this come from? It's from the family nature. It's from being around your daddy. Number nine. This is the last one. The purpose of adoption was to secure the benefits of having a a child in a family who has had no son or an estranged son. Now, this is really important. The the church at that time, they they would have been really listening to this because for their culture, this was huge. Remember what I said earlier, you could estrange your own son, but you could never estrange an adopted son. Yet, what happens with the father when Jesus is crucified on the cross? He says these words, my God, my God, and he called God father. Why have you, what, forsaken me? Who's an orphan? Somebody forsaken. Who needs to be adopted? Somebody forsaken. He was abandoned by the Father. Does that make any sense? Why was he abandoned? Why was he forsaken? He was forsaken so we could be adopted. He bore the penalty 
He bore the price. This is when the debt was paid so we could be adopted. Then the Bible goes on to say he was the firstborn of many brethren, of many brothers and sisters. We were brought into the family. See, with that Roman family, if they had somebody estranged, that made room for somebody else to be adopted into that family. And God made room for us through the death and resurrection of his son. That's one of those truths that the Bible would say, Selah, in Psalms. You have to stop and think about it. Paul's writing to the church of Ephesus some of these great truths of the Christian faith that we are adopted into the family only because of what Jesus Christ has done for us. To be in the family, you have to love Jesus. You have to be in love with him. It's through him. This story in closing, there was this elderly man, and he had a son who was disabled, but he loved his son deeply. He was quite wealthy, had a lot of money, and uh, he had a, a painting painted of his son, a masterpiece, and hung it up in his living room. He had attendants that cared for them. When he died, the attendants continued to care for this son. But as time went along, the son died as well. The lawyer came in to divide up the belongings and said to the servants, call them in, you know what, you've been faithful, we're going to allow you to take one thing from the house as a memory for serving this family. And so some picked a piece of furniture, some picked some jewelry, and some picked something else. But the nurse that took care of the disabled son said, I want the picture of the son. And uh, so they took the picture down and they gave it to her. But when they're taken down, they notice on the back of the picture was an envelope. And that envelope was, it said this on the envelope. It said, uh, last will and testament. And uh, then it gave the father's name. And so they, they took that envelope off. And as the attorney was reading it, he began to tear up. And the, the people that were there serving in the house, he said, what's the matter? Why, why are you crying? What's this? And uh, as he responded, he said, it says here, um, family members and servants, they were growing impatient, and it said there, he who loves my son is heir to all that I have. And so this nurse was heir to everything that this family had because she loved the son. And we're heir to everything that there is in our father because we love Jesus. He is the way, the truth, and the life. Thank you for listening to this podcast. If you would like to download free notes from this message, then visit our website, www.coastalchurch.org.